0: My name is Randy, and I'm one of the pastors, and glad to be with you this afternoon. Good to have you all here. I think that's the quietest I've ever seen the kids slip out. Are they really there? One of the challenges that um, probably every Christian faces at one time or another in their journey of faith is this whole question of is this whole Jesus thing really true? You know, perhaps over years, for some months, for others' days or hours, we come into an understanding of God's love, His forgiveness, offered to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we welcome His salvation into our life. We experience a a rebirth as if we're becoming brand new. The glow and the excitement of that experience brings joy. It brings purpose in our lives. But over time, sometimes that glow can dim. The excitement can wane. And sometimes at a vulnerable point, someone can come along, sometimes a teacher, sometimes a co-worker, maybe a family member, someone we very much respect. And they raise questions that we can't answer. Or perhaps they deride us for believing a fairy tale. And in that moment, we have a crisis of faith. Everything we've heard and believed seems hollow, empty. The world seems to come crashing down around us and we find ourselves often frightened, purposeless and feeling very, very alone. Any of you experienced that sometime in your journey? I remember very, very clearly when that happened for my wife, Clara. For almost six years, she had been being drawn uh, towards God beginning in middle school. Then in her senior year of high school, she had a, a powerful encounter with God and she was wonderfully saved. She became a radical for Jesus, wanting everyone around her to experience the joy and the life that she was experiencing in in God and, of course, not to go to hell. But a little over a year later, um, not long after we began dating, and sometime during uh, those first few months of our dating time, she had a very faith-shaking conversation with one of her brothers, a brother whom she respected very, very highly. And following that conversation, she became very confused, very unsure of all that she had believed. She was questioning and wondering if it was still true. She was frightened, purposeless, and did feel very alone. Sometime later that day, either she called me or I called her. We don't really remember anymore. It's been a few years. And with tears and trembling, she shared with me the conversation. She shared with me the questions that she was unable to answer. But over the next couple of hours, I was able to speak the truth of the Word of God to her, responding to many of the questions, consoling her fear. And after a while, she sighed, and her faith and world had been restored. And it's never been questioned again. Well, there was a very, very key person in the New Testament who had a very similar experience. And his name was John the Baptist. Following 500 years of silence from God in the nation of Israel, the prophetic voice of John the Baptist rang out. And he spoke and he said, What you all have been waiting for for 500 years, what you have longed for and perhaps have almost given up on it, is about to happen. Repent. For the end of the world as we know it is almost here. Then Jesus shows up at the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Who when he saw Jesus coming towards him declared this, found in John one twenty-nine through 29-34. Open your eyes and see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. I myself did not know Him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that He might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Him. I would not have known Him except that the One who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is He who will baptize with the, with the Holy Spirit. And John said, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. What an incredible revelation of understanding. Jesus, the Messiah of God that all the prophets foretold had arrived. And John was the one who had the ability and was called to announce Him and to declare Him to the rest of Israel. God's future kingdom that all of Israel longed to see had arrived. John was ecstatic. His mission on earth to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah was now complete. Not long after the baptism of Jesus, when John was questioned again about his own role, he said this in John 3, 28 and 30, You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled and he must increase, but I must decrease. Can you hear the confidence in John's words this is He whom we've longed for, the Messiah, the very Lamb of God. My work is now complete. He will increase and I will decrease. Surely, John's confidence was unshakable. Nothing could cause John to question who Jesus was. Or could it? Very soon after John baptized Jesus, we're told in Luke three nineteen and 21, that John was put into prison by Herod. Because John had publicly rebuked King Herod for his immorality. And while there in the darkness and the silence and the aloneness of the prison cell, John began to become confused. He began to doubt. Can you imagine it?
1: The heart. I'm so cold. Where are you? Where's the kingdom you said was coming? What about getting rid of Herod? <laughs> it looks like I had been overthrown instead. <laughs> kingdom of God. More like the kingdom of hell. Great prophet of God, the Messiah come to deliver his people. I was crazy to think Jesus was the one. Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Must have been the glare of the water. Or I ate a bad locust the night before. I don't know. What's it all about?
0: But it seems
1: so real. The dove, the voice, what I felt. No. It can't be He can't be <laughs> I should never have hoped. He Jesus No Could he Could he really be?
0: I mean, you 'd never think that someone who had had such a profound encounter with God to doubt would you we're told in matthew eleven two through six that while John was in prison he heard about some of what Jesus was doing, and he sent a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus for him matthew eleven three through five are you really? the Messiah we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Now, we never hear about John's response, but we can speculate that as a result of this information, John was able to sit back in his cell and to be at peace. Why? Because Jesus is quoting directly from various passages from Isaiah the prophet and is essentially saying to John, John, you can relax. I'm the one. For I am declaring and doing what Isaiah said the Messiah would do. The life and ministry of Jesus was unlike any other prophet or religious leader who has ever lived. People often say today, it doesn't really matter what you believe or what religion you're following. But it does matter what you believe. And it matters who you're believing in. And when you face times of confusion or doubt and you're having your faith tested, or you're having a good friend who is going through such a challenge. It's good to turn back to the story of Jesus and to remind yourself of who He was and the authority that he had. an authority that was of such a nature that the only conclusion that we can make is that He was acting with the very authority of God himself. Let's look at some of those accounts of that authority. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we're all challenged at various times of our lives. We have our high times and there's the low times. Times of great light and great joy and times of great darkness and great despair. Thank you that the sureness of who Jesus is never fails and that no one compares to him. Thank you that what he brought and established 2,000 years ago is still in place today. And the authority that he expressed then, he still has today and has still granted to his church. Help us to be reminded of His authority and help us to walk in it. Father, I pray especially for our guests that are here that they would find to meet you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at eight various places where the authority of Jesus is demonstrated. Firstly, Jesus demonstrated his authority in the calling of the disciples. The calling of the disciples. Imagine going to work tomorrow morning. You're sitting at your desk. You're working on a project. And a man walks by and he turns to you and he says, follow me. Tell me, what kind of authority might that person have to have for you to follow them? Maybe a uniform and a badge? Maybe a warrant for your arrest. Maybe a gun. Probably not your boss, but maybe. Well, Jesus didn't have any of those. But when he did that, people followed him without question. Listen to Matthew 4, 18-22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. They were at work, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. With the father saying, uh, John, uh, Uh, Zebedee, what authority there must have been in Jesus to speak such a calling and to have men and women follow him. That is some kind of authority. But honestly, I can imagine other religious leaders perhaps walking in a similar kind of authority. Another way that Jesus demonstrated his authority is in his teaching. In Jesus' day, as in ours, the normal style of teaching was to support what you were saying by quoting others. Rabbi so-and-so would quote Rabbi so-and-so, who quoted Rabbi so-and-so. and on it went. But when Jesus taught, His teaching was of such a level of authority that Mark 1.22 tells us the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. When Jesus taught, he said, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And in each case, Jesus was quoting Moses and the Pentateuch thereby elevating his own teaching above the authority of Moses. But again, I can imagine other religious leaders having a similar authority in teaching that amazes people, can't you? So another way that Jesus demonstrated his authority was by forgiving sin. And while today we have lots of people walking around absolving people from sin, in Judaism, only God could pronounce the forgiveness of sins. So when some men brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, take heart, your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders of the law were outraged and they said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Only God has the authority to forgive sin. Who is this man? But again, it's easy to say something like your sins are forgiven. People do it today all the time. People from many religious backgrounds say that. But what Jesus did after that showed him to be of a caliber of authority that stands high above most other religious leaders. Matthew goes on to tell us in Matthew 9.4, Jesus, having spiritual insight into their thinking, said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts In your hearts. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say get up and walk? Well, I know for me it's a whole lot easier to say your sins are forgiven than get up and walk. And that was true in their case as well. But so that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then He said to the paralytic, get up. Take your mat and go home. And the man got up and he left and he went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. So here Jesus makes that transition, perhaps from many religious leaders to something that is beginning to stand above that. Jesus here demonstrated His authority by healing the sick. And as you know, this was not the only case where Jesus healed someone. Over and over, Jesus demonstrated His authority over sickness and disease. In some cases, it even being described as healing all who were sick, such as in Matthew 8, 16. That's pretty cool authority. But not only did Jesus have authority over sickness and disease, but Jesus demonstrated his authority by raising the dead. Wherever he went, Jesus had this wonderful habit of wrecking funeral services. There's this widow whose only son had died. Everyone's on their way to the cemetery. The woman's crying. All her friends and family are crying. The boy's being carried in a casket by the pallbearers. And while Jesus and his disciples are stopped by the uh, motorcycle police, you know, letting the procession pass by. Uh, Jesus is moved with compassion. And so he runs and catches up with the mom. And he looks at her and he says, don't cry anymore. And then Luke tells us what happens next in Luke seven fourteen through 16. Then Jesus walked over to the coffin. He touched it. And the bearer stopped. And he said, young man, get up. And the dead boy sat up. And he began to talk to those around him. Can you imagine what those pallbearers did? Whoa! Hey, buddy, how's it going? Well, I've had a trip. Let me tell you about my journey. Jesus presented the boy back to the mother. And listen to this. great awe swept through the crowd. And they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And we have seen the hand of God at work today. Friends, when you are confused, when you're struggling and wrestling with faith, when someone is raising questions of Christianity or Jesus being a fairy tale, remember who Jesus was. Remember what He did and what He can do today. Now, That raising the dead thing, that really kind of separates the boys from the men, doesn't it? And the women from the girls as well. And if that were the only case of raising the dead, it would be profound. But there are a number of other cases, including, of course, Lazarus, who had been dead for three days. Very stinky. And then a whole crowd of people are raised to life during his crucifixion. Can you imagine your grandmother your great grandfather walking up to you in town hey sonny how you doing haven't seen you in a while i mean what was it like what incredible authority that in that incredible moment of the breaking of sin and the power of death that tombs were blown open those who were dead walking In newness of life. Incredible. And then, of course, there's the way that Jesus demonstrated his authority by casting out demons. An interesting thing here was that while the Jewish religious leaders thought Jesus was a phony, in fact, they even thought he was a worker of the devil, the demons clearly knew who he was. Keep in mind that these demons were, were fallen angels and that means that they originally were in heaven and they worshipped Jesus there. Did they know who He was? They sure did. Listen to Luke's description in Luke four thirty three 33-36. Once when Jesus was at church, a man possessed by a demon began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Another account speaks of before the time, before the end of the world. Have you come before the time? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. You are the Messiah. The demons had no trouble declaring who He was. Jesus cut him short. Be silent, He told the demon. Come out of the man. And the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched and then it left him without hurting him further Amazed, the people exclaimed what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and flee at his command. No long exorcism, no incantations, no drawn out sessions, just the word of command. Be silent. Come out. And the demons obeyed, sometimes thousands of them. And that's power, and that's authority. You'd think that by the time Jesus raised the dead that the disciples would be asking some questions. But it really wasn't until Jesus demonstrated his authority over nature that they really had a comprendo moment. Listen to how Mark tells the story in Mark chapter four, verses 35 to 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's go to the other side of the lake." Now, if Jesus says we're going somewhere, you really ought to figure out that that's what he means. No matter what happens along the way. But they didn't quite have that under their belt yet. He was already in the boat, so they started out. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That's one tired man. Probably was up the last two nights praying. He's finally getting some shut eye. Can you imagine how that boat was? These are little, these are not ships, gang. These are fairly small fishing craft. There's no, you know, under the hull thing, you know. This is just a giant rowboat kind of thing with some sails on it. And Jesus is sleeping through this thing. Why? Because he knew where they were going. He said, We're going to the other side, boys. But they didn't get it. Frantically, they woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're going to die? When he woke up, had a Starbucks, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. Suddenly, the wind stopped and the sea was calm. Then he asked him, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? In me, I said we were going to go to the other side. And they were filled with awe and said to one another, Who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? A storm is raging. Jesus is peacefully sleeping. The terrified disciples wake him up. And he says to the storm, basically, stop it. And it does. Immediately, the wind stops. The water is calm. And the disciples say, who is this guy who has this kind of authority? I wonder if they wanted to step out of the boat. Just kind of get a little further away. And then, of course, probably the greatest way that Jesus demonstrated his authority was over death itself, when he forever broke the power of death by raising from the dead. And Paul, speaking of that, says he is the firstfruits of many. And so, in all these ways, Jesus demonstrated his authority. He announced and brought into the world the very realm of the kingdom of God, the future brought into the present. And he proved that he was the long-awaited Messiah who was establishing the kingdom of God on earth. And in all these ways, his calling, his teaching, his forgiving of sin, his healing the sick, his raising the dead, his casting out of demons, his power over nature, and his power over death, In all those ways, he proves to you and to me that he is worthy to be trusted and that he can help us when we face the problems and challenges of life or when those that we love do and we can remind them of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Just one glimpse of Jesus. The true Jesus. The real Jesus. Not the mamsy-pamsy facade that so often is presented to us. But the God-man. Full of authority and power. Able to reach down into our lives. And to put things right that are wrong. And to establish the realm of God in such a way that all other things dim. Thank you, God. Thank you for reaching down into my life and righting the wrongs. Thank you for reaching down into the lives of those I love and delivering them And healing them. Lord, we welcome you tonight to do that again. Do it again tonight. Release us as your people to walk in that authority as you purposed for us to. And might we find and experience the fullness of your kingdom to live not only this moment, but tomorrow and the next day and the next. And might we be the kind of people who not only experience this good news, this wonderfulness of the kingdom, but that we are those who also, having received your commission, take it forth, and give it away to others. Fill us with your Holy Spirit again tonight. Fill us with faith again. Renewed faith to believe you. To trust you. and To walk in your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was reminded uh, this morning actually as I was having... Um, quiet time. Nice that on Sunday mornings you can get up leisurely and have a nice breakfast and sit down in your nice comfortable chair, wherever that is. And I was actually reading through uh, chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11 of of Matthew, which are filled with uh, cases of healing. It also uh, carries the commissioning of the 12. And while reading that, I was thinking about what I was going to be teaching this afternoon, and reminded, as we talk about the authority of Jesus, there's a tendency for us to think of, well, that was Jesus, of course. He was God. We thought this one and said this one before. But keeping in mind that Jesus was fully man, having set aside his deity, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, lived and operated like a human being, just like you and me but one that was fully engaged and aligned with God and His kingdom. John tells us in John chapter 5, Jesus said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. The Father shows me what He's doing, because He longs to receive the glory. And in Matthew 28, the last words of Jesus right before His ascension. Jesus comes to His disciples And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. There is no greater authority. And then he says, go therefore and do all that I have done. And gather others and teach them to do it as well. This authority of Jesus, these marks of his authority, calling, teaching... Forgiving of sin, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out of demons, power over nature and power over death are things He has commissioned us, His followers, to do. But it's hard to do because it's so much easier to be discouraged and baffled. But tonight, we're going to take a couple of minutes. We've got about five minutes left. Right? Four, five. Oh, we're doing great. We've got more time than that. It's hard figuring out this time thing. You know, it used to be 10.30 to noon. Now it's four to five thirty, right? So it's ten after, so we've got a little time. And one of the patterns that we see in the ministry of Jesus um, is tell and show. When I was in Kindergarten, uh, we did the uh, show and tell model. You know, I brought in my brother's tarantula and I told them about it and uh, wanted to bring it out and have it on my arm like my brother did, but the teacher wouldn't let me do that. So we did the whole show and tell. Jesus, on the other hand, did tell and show. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Tell. Proclamation. Then he cured every disease and every sickness. Just a few verses later, he commissions the twelve disciples in chapter 10 of Matthew. And he says, As you go, proclaim the good news. Tell. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Then do. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. So tonight, I've told. I've told the story of the authority of Jesus. We've heard the stories of him healing the sick, restoring lives, uh, bringing in lost people, raising dead people. So now, I think, if I understand the book well, it's his turn to do. And so we're going to pause and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. I guess Claire's not in here. What's that? Ah, it's good. Um, I will look towards some of the leaders in the church, if any have uh, are getting support or ideas or things, we're going to just welcome the Holy Spirit. Uh, John Wimber, the founder of the movement, uh, used to say this is now clinic. Uh, some vineyard churches release the service at this time. We're going to go ahead and keep you guys in just for a couple more minutes and give an opportunity to see what the Father's doing, to align ourselves with him, and then to do that and to partner in that and to allow his authority to be manifest here. So Father, we thank you that your kingdom is here tonight. That this is not just a fantasy or a fairy tale. It is the true word of God. And you have truly commissioned us, your followers, To be trained in these very things of Jesus and to obey him and do them. And so I just ask that you would show us now through your Holy Spirit, through the gifts of your spirit, what you're doing. What lives do you want to touch now? What things do you want to heal and mend? So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Show us yourself. Show us your hand. I'm just going to wait for a minute. Thank you, Father. I'm getting a number of impressions. Um, senses that I would submit uh, potentially are um, gracelets of the Holy Spirit or they could be the locust I ate last night. Um, as I looked out uh, for the very first uh, sense I got was a broken heart. And um, I just submit that to you. There is um, at least one individual here tonight that just feels like your heart is shattered. It's broken. and would suggest that the Lord wants to bring some healing and mending to that heart. I also had this sense of uh, somebody here that's battling anxiety um, was even experiencing that this evening during the service. Includes heart palpitations and uh, great, quite a bit of uh, emotional distress.
1: Um, as I was sitting, I kind of had mental image of um, a spider on someone's lower back crawling up the spine and then onto the back of the neck. And my the sense that I had was that not that was a literal spider, but the idea of, of pain. And that sort of pain that works its way from the base up to the neck and then it ends up just kind of throughout the neck. Um, I don't know if anyone's having any trouble like that. But that was kind of the image that I had. And then um, the other thing is, um, I know I really connected with, um, you know, it's easier to just be... Sad and doubtful and ho hum and oh my life is this or that and and um there's something significant I think that the Lord may want to do for I know for me and maybe also for some some more of you here tonight to grab on to um, the idea of of that telling and showing and that there's a taking of action in our lives that changes the things that you know we are so frustrated about that it's not a like the idea that we're not just here to say oh God come you know show your wonderful power and fix all these things in my life that there's something about us taking action to try to um, you know affect someone else around us or pray for someone else around us or, or show the power of God to someone else around us and that things in our life sometimes come into alignment in that process and we don't have to just wait for God to come show up in our life we can go show up in someone else's life with his power and something changes in our life because of it so I don't know that would-
0: Any other leaders here with a sense? You can come on up. Just as you come up, why don't you identify your name? I'm Randy, of course. This was Joy. was just a sense that uh, there very well could be someone here uh, tonight who perhaps, you know, you've heard the words about Jesus and what he did and who he was, uh, perhaps maybe numerous other times. But that tonight as I told these stories that there was a, a quickening, there was an excitement in you, could this really be true? Could, could Jesus be real for me? And as I was preparing uh, the notes, I had a sense that there would be somebody here tonight who would need to give their life to Jesus and to submit to his authority. Because that's, that's what it means to welcome Christ into our heart and into our life. It's to accept the salvation, the forgiveness of our sins that he accomplished through the cross, his death. And then the life that he accomplished through his resurrection for us. But that what we get out of it, besides eternal life, which is really cool, is someone who knows the way. You see, too many of us have journeyed on quests that have led to dead ends and darkness and aloneness. And God never intended that for you. And that what he intends is a restored relationship with your creator, a new life that leads no longer to dead ends and to darkness but to life eternal relationship with him so in a minute we're going to invite and welcome those who would like to receive prayer perhaps some of these words uh, may have been tonight that served for you maybe there's something else that you would like prayer for or prayer about if you as well would like uh, to speak to somebody about receiving Christ what do I need to do to be saved it's a good question it was asked in the Bible a few times and it gets answered really well it's really fun so if you're here tonight and you're wondering what do I need to do to be saved come on up as well at the end one other word that uh, I sensed and uh, you know again this could be the locust thing uh, you just know in a in a crowd of this um, size even this size crowd uh, that probably there are those here who are struggling with depression. Um, but it was a word that came to my mind um, as I was praying, as we were praying together and welcoming and inviting him. And so I would um, welcome you to uh, come up as well as a part with the others if you are struggling with uh, depression at any level, um, whether it be occasional or whether it be uh, a devastatingly dark time for you. I myself have uh, journeyed through that. Um, had a very, very, very dark night uh, or morning, I guess you would say, back last May. Um, had a, moment, a morning when I came into church and uh, worship was going on and I was to preach and I couldn't do it. I couldn't stand up and do it. And I went to the back of the auditorium and I found my wife, Clara, and I said, Clara, I can't do it today. I'm out of here. And I left the building. Clara lovingly and graciously uh, took the service after worship and led a, uh, I understand, a really nice time together. Um, But that led for me personally into um, season of uh, some therapy and meeting with a counselor, uh, which is still ongoing. And I am um, dealing with my stuff, uh, as they say. Uh, But I'm still standing here before you as one who um, is still filled with and touched with the Holy Spirit even as you are uh, to still walk out this life with him. Uh, We're all wounded healers uh, we say here in the vineyard and so uh, would welcome uh, any of you who perhaps are battling uh, with that challenge uh, for whatever reason or whatever timing that's been for you. Father, we just thank you for your love for each one of us and whether Or not, there's been a particular word uh, for uh, someone here. Lord, you know their name, you know their heart, and you know their needs. And so I just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to work even now, to wrap your arms around them. Those that are especially just feeling really, really alone. Just come and sit with them right now, Holy Spirit. Give them the courage to do it again tomorrow, and then hold them again tomorrow, and give them the courage to do it again the next day. Sometimes it's like that, Lord, with life. It's just we've simply got to pick up one foot and put it forward. Sometimes it's really dark and we can't see where we're going. There's just enough light to see the next little step and I thank you for that light and Father for those that are here that just need to know your authority as Lord I just ask that you would show yourself we call you Lord and yet we tend to do what we want to do Lord, it is only in alignment with your Lordship and your kingship that the good things happen in our lives. We don't cause them. We can't make them happen. But you do. And I thank you for that. Lord, thank you for showing up tonight and being here with us and allowing us to glory in you, to experience your love, to gather with your people, to be touched by your presence. Even as joy said, Lord, stir it up among us that we would be those who, even as wounded healers, those who don't have it fully all figured out, will still share and declare the good news and do the stuff to pray for the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead and heal those that are separated, the outcasts. Let us be a healing community, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like uh, prayer this evening for any one of those uh, words or things that were spoken tonight, um, even if it says Joy suggested, that you just need to be stirred up for sharing it with others again. You've in the past been one who was able to share the good news and did it pretty freely, but it's been some time now since you've done that. Or maybe you used to pray for the sick at work and in the store, but you've stopped doing it. You've gotten discouraged. You can come on up as well. We would love an opportunity to pray with you. God be with you all. Grace to you. Be filled with His presence and have a great week. See you next week. we could have uh, any folks who would like to join us to help pray for those that come up that would be exceptionally helpful to us tonight as well thank you